Welcome to the Heroes of Reality podcast, a podcast about the game of life and the hero's journey we all experience. Let's jump in with our host, Dylan Watkins, as he introduces today's guest. Are you interested in virtual reality, gaming, and crypto? Well, on today's podcast, I have Ryan Wang. He is recognized globally as a pioneer and leader in XR gaming and crypto industries. In 2020, Ryan co-founded Zebra Labs, a Web3 company dedicated to bringing celebrities to the metaverse by creating virtual celebrities and digital collectibles. In 2015, Ryan co-founded Outpost Capital, a cross-border, early-stage venture funded based in San Francisco and China, focusing on metaverse, AI, VR, AR, blockchain, gaming, esports, transmedia, and digital entertainment. Outpost Capital has been rated multiple times as one of the top XR investment brands in Silicon Valley and the world. And so without any further delay, I'd like to welcome Brian. Hey, hey so glad you could be here, man. Yeah, you, thanks you, for having me. Yeah, I'm super excited to have you here. You hit all of my favorite buzzwords across the border. And so I was, I'm, I'm excited to have you on and really go deep on the topics, man. You I mean you seem to be at the edge of everything, of all this technology, of however you want to define the metaverse or whatever you want to call it. You seem to be there, and I, I'd love to kind of kick things off by understanding, like, how did you get started uh, in this bleeding edge technology? Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, first of all, uh, I think you know you mentioned about my definition about the metaverse, right? Yeah. So um, I think you know. Uh, metaverse as a as a buzzword has been like buzzing everybody's ears for the past two three years um and uh, it has you know multiple definitions but my definition is that simple right what is metaverse well metaverse are virtual worlds right and inside the virtual world you can have different digital experiences you can connect with uh, each other in digital ways right so it's that simple it's just virtual world right um, mm. And um, in terms of like, you know, how I got onto this journey, um, I actually um, uh, started my career as an investment banker, right? Day in, day out, I work very hard. Um, and uh, I feel like, you know, it was super interesting when I first got started. But over, over a little bit of time, it feels that the work started to get a little bit repetitive. And uh, I wanted to do something that's more interesting and more creative. And at that point, I heard about, you know, um, all these exciting companies, early stage coming out of Silicon Valley, right? They are achieving a lot of success and, um, you know, um, uh, they are capturing a lot of uh, public's attention as well. So um, in around 2014, 2015, I um, traveled a few times to the Valley and uh, also I discovered this new technology called virtual reality. And I just got hooked with, you know, what's going on in this industry. And uh, I decided to figure out my way to start a career in this uh, sector as well. So, you know, a year later, I started Outpost Capital, which, um, uh, which is a new uh, investment brand. Back then, focused on frontier technology investment. And we have a heavy focus on the VRAR side of the frontier technology sector, right? And... Um, since then, we've been kind of, you know, riding this, uh, um, these waves um, with different industries, including VR, AR, including crypto, including artificial intelligence, and uh, also digital entertainment. So, yeah, it's been uh, quite a journey. That's awesome, brother. 
Yeah, it's really interesting. And one thing as well is when you're talking about this interesting technology, sometimes you get proficient in one industry and you were looking for something exciting, something that can kind of get you up and going in the morning. Mm -hmm. Did you have, I know for myself, I had like mind blown experiences when I tried out VR and that's what got me in the whole VR development space. Did you ever have a, a moment with, with virtual reality technology that kind of blew your mind and kind of let you know what was possible? Yes. Yes. Uh, you know, um, in the, uh, if we think about the early days in the VR industry, right, mm -hmm. there has been a very polarized opinions about um, Google Cardboard, right? Some people think that it brings the barrier of um, the consumer barrier to entry um, to very low, right? So that, you know, it's very easy for consumers to adopt versus, you know, um, a lot of people think that, you know, the quality that a cardboard experience is able to deliver is um is not that high so you know it cannot represent what real virtual reality is well to be honest my first ever vr experience was a cardboard experience right <laughs> so um someone showed me that hey you know this this paper thing and uh put the phone inside and boom, you can you can see things in 3D and uh, it's actually a 360 video. So, you know, it wasn't um, nearly close to anything we see, you know, any of the amazing experience that we see today. But uh, I feel like um, to be able to um, have a simple device that's able to transform this experience from more of a, you know, seeing, um, uh, looking into the metaverse through a screen type of like a window based peeking inside that type of experience into the type of experience where you feel fully immersed, right? You are part of it and you switch your perspective from third person to first person so that you can start feel, um, you know, how this like virtual um, events, virtual objects, virtual environment is impacting you directly um, and also psychologically, right? I think, you know, that's super powerful and that can turn, you know, the whole digital experience um, that can redefine, you know, what the human relationship with different digital experience and, uh, mm -hmm. you know, um, potentially also a opportunity to redefine the term computing as well, right? Yeah. So I feel like, you know, that was uh, my initial aha moment with mm. VR. And, you know, after I go deeper on this rabbit hole, I discovered like um, the, um, the, uh, the, the DK1, DK2, I uh, become a Kickstarter backer and um, I um, just- uh, Oh, for the uh, Oculus? To, uh, to get into the industry. Yeah, were you a backer on the on the Oculus for a Kickstarter? Yeah. Oh, me too. That's awesome. There you go. Oh, that's very cool. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So then you're you're old school in that space, man. Yeah, I, I remember absolutely. that when you first got the headset in, and, you, and then you put it on, and then your mm -hmm. your mind's blown at like was possible. I think mine was like Zelda. I put on Zelda and the, for the DK one, and I was like, oh my god, someone made Zelda in VR. This is possible. So that's mm -hmm. cool. I mean, I think you're even ahead of than I am. That's that's incredible. Yeah, I guess similar time, but I never did the Zelda experience. So back then, I was just got you know, sued. In, my, <laughs> in my apartment and uh, downloading all these um, uh, experiences from the uh, Oculus developer portal. Yeah. Um, and uh, just, you know, trying a lot of things out and uh, just 
getting amazed by what this can deliver. Well, since you're so deep in the different spaces, right? You have a crossover between VR and crypto and AI and all those things. Sometimes it's it's a lot of hype, right? People think that right. people try to use VR where it doesn't make sense. People try to use artificial intelligence where it doesn't make sense. People mm -hmm. use crypto where it doesn't make sense. Mm -hmm. To you, like, what do you feel is the thing that has a good crossover that adds a lot of value? How are they? How do you think is it? What is a good sign or a good use for these types of technologies? Mm -hmm. Right. So first of all, when I am approaching a new industry, a new sector, right, yeah. I always try to, you know, other than just learning about the basics, I always try to understand, you know, what's different about this industry and, you know, um, what what is hard to replicate uh, what what are the values that delivered by the industry that is hard to replicate by some other industries, right? So I think uh, you know, like you mentioned, there are a lot of um, each of these words are buzzword on a certain level, and there are a lot of hypes in each of these sectors, right? So um, um, I will always try to find out, hey, you know, what's different for um, for uh, this technology, what can it deliver? Mm -hmm. And um, also, you know, what's the downside, right? What's a, what's a cost? For example, you know, VR is amazing um, when you have the first experience, but it, it can be costly, it can be bulky, it causes so many like, you know, motion sickness and different reactions. So, you know, that's, uh, that's a downside of the technology, right? And also blockchain, you know, it's good that, you know, it's decentralized, it's trustless, right? It's immutable. But the downside is that it's very inefficient because, you know, it's a trustless network, right? So by having like, you know, similar computation on a single centralized PC versus EVM, you know, the EVM takes so much more computing power to do the computation logics to, um, than the um, uh, a centralized architecture. So that that's a downside, right? Mm -hmm. and, um, and I think, you know, the key thing is, first of all, not to just buy into the high, buy into the, um, buy into the technology, but understand the pros and cons of, you know, what each of the technology can deliver here, right? And the other thing is that, um, I think you know each of these sectors are actually um, emerging sectors, right? Meaning they are very, very early in in terms of the life cycle of this technology, right? We are at the very beginning, and probably for anything that will have um, fundamental influence and fundamental changes to um, how um, the general public is going to use this. Um, technology on an everyday basis, right? How it's going to impact, uh, have meaningful impact in each of everyone's everyday life. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be a journey that take years or even decades to fulfill, right? So um, sometimes we feel like, oh, you know, VR feels like an overnight success and then crypto feels like an overnight success, right? But we, uh, but this kind of overnight success is mostly the impression from an outsider perspective, but being an insider, when you are inside the industry, you understand, you know, how much struggling that, you know, each of the uh, each of the creators and builders in that space have been going through 
to reach to that tipping point where things can change and uh, you know adoption can happen overnight, right? So I think uh, you know the other thing is to not underestimate the the type of work and uh, you know the amount of time that all these builders have put in to reach to this tipping point. And the yeah. third thing um, um, that I like to mention is that uh, um, you know the. Um, a lot of people, and also when I'm talking to a lot of companies, right, no matter it's a VR company or blockchain company, I feel like 90% of the companies always mention, hey, by 2025 or by 2027, um, the, uh, the, the VR market, the blockchain market, the metaverse market will be what kind of size. Mm -hmm. And this is how we're going to capitalize and, you know, um, take a pie of that kind of market that we are chasing, in, right? But the, the situation in these emerging sectors is that, um, you know, as a entrepreneur, you can't just wait until things happen, right? You can't just um, take it for granted that, you know, um, the industry will uh, become what kind of size after a few years. You know, uh, this is, um, this is uh, I think, you know, one of the good example is the VR industry back in like 2014, 2015, we always have this kind of projection that by 2018, by 2020, it's gonna be a, a multi-billion dollar market and uh, it's gonna impact everybody's life. Um, and uh, you know, what if it doesn't happen, right? What if things are not going as expected? So I think you know, as a creator, as a builder, and as a you know, leader in this space, the right question to ask is that, what can you do to drive adoption, right? What can you do to create this marketplace? What can you do to um, uh, to to incentivize the users to pick up this technology and use it in, in their everyday life instead of just relying on the uh, the assumption that hey, you know, five years down the road it's gonna be big, right? So I think you know. Um, it's better to ask what you can do today to make that happen instead of yeah. relying on that to happen. I love that. There's there's so much in there that I think is I think is on point. One of the things being is one when you're on the outside in, everything looks easier, right? Mm -hmm. Whether or not that you're a, someone's a, a movie star or a, say influencer or they built a big old company or you're Elon Musk, you're like, oh, must have been easy to be you. Must have been easy to be you. I have it so hard. They don't realize they discount all of the effort, all the times that that person chose the harder path again and again and again, and they don't stop to look back. And that's the same thing with the industry. We, you know, this technology doesn't build itself. It takes all of us individually working together. We, we work on it and then we push together as a collective whole in an industry, whether that's crypto or VR or AI. And it takes a lot of effort, man. It takes a lot of developers. I mean, there's a lot of money spent and a lot of mm -hmm. money burnt uh, going through and making these learning paths. I mean, the movie industry was, you know, invented way back in the day. And, you know, Walt Disney had to carve his own path, you know, making color animations and beyond that. And for us, we're still at that phase of carving the path. And one thing you're talking about, it's not waiting for the industry to be big enough and for you to step in to capture it, but for you to be big enough that you can create a movement and drive adoption on your own. For example, let's say Beat Saber. Beat Saber drove so much adoption into the industry. It didn't wait for the adoption to get there. It used the resources that were available and it was so compelling as a thing, it created the adoption. So be the movement. Don't wait for the movement to happen is what I'm hearing from you. Absolutely. Yeah, I love that. When you're talking about this, being on both the creator space 
and being on the investor space, and you're talking about some of these common pitfalls, mistakes that people make when they approach you and talk about this. Oh, the market side is going to be X billion and we're going to capture 2% of that market. So therefore, we're going to make this many billions of dollars and that's why you should invest. What are you really looking for? What do you, what do you really wish that these people that approach you for investment actually say to you? Well, you know, um, um, the part of the life being a, um, a specialized venture capitalist instead of you know a generic venture capitalist is that uh, you focus on very specific sectors right and uh, mm -hmm. over the time um it's it's kind of like double-edged sword so on on the on the positive side you can go very deep into certain uh very nitty-gritty topics right but um on the on the flip side you um um people from certain industry and uh, especially startup founders from you know certain communities they tend to see the similar opportunities they tend to have similar mentalities and also they they tend to kind of like live in a shared dream in to a certain extent right so um uh, the consequent of this kind of situation is that um, i think you know there are almost, um, it's very rare to see completely new ideas and, uh, you know, completely new products or new technologies for each of the, for each of the sectors, right? You see, uh, at least like five or 10 other companies who are working on similar directions, who are having similar visions or chasing similar, um, similar, um, uh, goals, right? Mm -hmm. um, and the way to differentiate one company from the other is mostly relies on what the who are the team, right? Um, what are their approach, and how are they applying this technology or their product different from all the other companies, right? So I think mm -hmm. you know um, one of the really um, uh, one of the key thing that I look into is that, you know, how does this company different from the other five companies who's chasing similar opportunity? Um, what's unique approach that this company take, right? And why this approach is better than, you know, the other companies or even some of companies that's more established, right? So remember before we started the show, I asked you the question, hey, how is this Hero Relate podcast <laughs> different from team first, right? Yeah. So that's like a similar way on how I think about, you know, the situation here. And um, and um, uh, I'm trying to find that, hey, this is interesting because this company, although they are cheating the same opportunity, but they are taking a completely different approach. And this different approach, if executed well, uh, what kind of consequences does it lead to? Or, you know, if it, you know, ran into certain situations, right, then what's the plan B and uh, what's, you know, what's the outcome will look like? Got it. Mm -hmm. So what you're really saying is that because people live in a certain industry, they have the same common speak, they have the same market share, they know that, you know, virtual reality has learning times 4x versus traditional medias or whatever the, the numbers might be to, to the states that they're pulling, but it really is about, okay, what's the team? 
-hmm. And how is your strategy different than everybody else? And what you're trying to understand is what's that value gap between their thinking and their mindset and their execution versus the other one? Because everyone can see the same vision. We're going to make the metaverse or the next thing or whatever it might be. But right. really, it's, a, it's about how are they approaching it in a unique way that can actually drive adoption and probably lower friction? That mm -hmm. might be one of the big major things that people have, especially with uh, thinking of these types of technologies, because it's so hard. You have to first understand it, and then you got to want it, and then you got to drive people to take action on the things that they both want and understand, which is you got to be able to hit all those buckets at the same time, which isn't easy when someone's just trying to spin all these other plates going on at the same time as a entrepreneur. Right. Yeah, exactly. And this remind me one of the example is that um, um, in the past two years, in the crypto and Web3 industry, there's a term that has been um, used a lot by um, founders in this space, which I hate. That term is called gamify, right? So almost <laughs> like all the Web3 company, all the um, crypto company are talking about how they are going to you know, um, open up their virtual space, selling their virtual land, having their avatars, right? And, uh, and you know, gamify their ecosystem, right? I yeah. think, you know, um, having, having the word gamify doesn't really make too much sense to me. I think, you know, it's, it's, it's a great thing to be able to understand um, the concept of metaverse and to also embrace, proactively embrace the concept of metaverse in your product and your service. But gamify specifically, you know, first of all, it's challenging to develop a high quality game, right? Mm -hmm. It takes like years of, you know, uh, hands-on game development e experience. Yeah. And secondly, gamify is not something that's magical. It doesn't mean that you have uh, a quality game and then, you know, consumers will, will jump in and start playing your game. It doesn't it doesn't go that naturally, right? It takes a yeah. lot of effort to figure out, you know, what's your user acquisition strategy? How do you incentivize people to play more? How do you um, how do you design all these product features so that users feel like, you know, they are engaging with a the product, they have emotional bindings with a product, and also, you know, create a healthy social ecosystem between different players and di between different users. So it's more like, um, um, uh, it's more like a, uh, a journey of yeah. years of crafting and development, but in the world of crypto and web three, I just feel like, you know, the word gamify has been picked up so many times and uh, it just, you know, doesn't make sense to me. I 100%, I 100% agree with you as someone who I design these types of applications and people mm -hmm. think of gamification. It's a, it's a bandaid for user adoption and retention. It just, it's mm -hmm. not a solution. And gamification is just a flashy word for driving human behavior. How do you drive human behavior to take the action you want them to take? It's like macro leadership. You create this environment that compels people to go into it again and again and again. And people think of gamification as points, levels, and badges. But that's not it. That's the outwards, extrinsic. That's just looking at like, oh, the the I don't know, the bodybuilder's got big muscles and 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 therefore okay. he must, you know, be in the gym all the time. Where there's a bunch of different ways to drive that result. They're not so gamification 
is 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 a nuanced game where you study the human behaviors, you understand how people think better than they do, and you put systems and processes in place to where it makes them want to take action again and again and again and they come back, not just in the short term. And the easiest ones for the crypto space is scarcity, right? They use a lot of scarcity, a lot of FOMO, a lot of a lot of you know status. Everybody else is doing it. A lot of right. and so in that space, and that but that right there only lasts so long. That kind of has this blitz attack. And unless you can continually drive demand, the scarcity does not last because it pumps in and then you get that dump, right? And then over time, then there's that disillusion with the belief in the system, like land scarcity, which is one of the big issues in that whole crypto space. So yeah, gamification, unless you really study it and understand it, it's like artificial intelligence, but they don't actually, you know, it's just a if then, then that bot, right? That's not technically kind of a sort of artificial intelligence, but not really. It's, right. it's not it's not that level. So I, I think that's absolutely right. And so how do you when you talk about driving user adoption, getting people to um, take on user acquisitions, getting them to uh, come back to a product again and again and again, what are some things that you've seen that have been effective? Well, um, I think, you know, um, when we are talking about a consumer product, right? Mm -hmm. I think, you know, the whole uh, space of this, you know, different technology can be uh, generally divided into like the B2B category and the B2C category, right? On the B2B realm, uh, things are a little bit more straightforward, right? You deliver, you come up with a solution, you deliver value to your customers, and then, you know, a bring them more revenue, it save them the cost, everything makes sense, right? In the B2C world, however, things could be way complicated, right? But I think, you know, one of the key uh, features that I, I think, you know, have been kind of proven to be uh, quite effective is that um, um, it's, um, it's on the social side, right? So uh, it's one thing to deliver a good experience to one individual, but um, if there are ways for you to deliver a shared experience, to a group or community, um, then things can be exponentially more powerful, right? The power of, you know, the social network itself. Um, so I think, uh, you know, if we look at, for example, the success of the NFT industry, well, the value of the NFT industry, I think, um, um, is not quite from the IP by itself, right? but it's more coming from the value of the community behind it. That's why, you know, for all the NFT projects, uh, their key hire in addition to the artists, right, is really like the community managers. And uh, also for, uh, as an investor, when we look into most NFT communities, IP is one dimension, right? The utility of the NFT is another dimension, but a very important dimension is really what's the community look like? Um, what's what's the culture in this community? What kind of different social dynamics are happening between members in this community, right? And similarly, in for example, for, for Metaverse or VR, right? Uh, you were just talking about Beat Saber and mm -hmm. you know, the, the success of Beat Saber, um, one, it brings music with VR, right? Both of music itself is an immersive media and VR is also an immersive media. So the combination itself is very powerful. But beyond that, I think, you know, the social features that build around Beat Saber is 
um, is a key factor that lead to you know the success of the product. In that you know, as a as a player, I can also become a content creator very easily, right? I can do all these mixed reality videos, and uh, if my friends or you know my audience say I'm playing it. They will be like, "Oh, I want to play it as well, right?" And recently, you know, Beat Saber also launched the uh, the multiplayer mode um, yep. within the product, so that you can play with your friends as well. So I think uh, you know this kind of um, social features are really helping people to not only pick up the technology by themselves, but also use this technology in a um, in a social social environment. So that they are not alone on this journey of being, you know, an explorer of new technologies, right? Yeah, one thing on that one that really triggered a thought for me is one of the reasons why, and I don't think everybody understands from the, if you're not using it, TikTok. Mm -hmm. One of the things that if you're going to make a great product, one of the best things is to make your person feel awesome, to feel mm -hmm. like what they made is awesome. And mm -hmm. what TikTok does very well, it's an amazing collaboration tool. The collaboration tools, you can grab anyone's music, you can stitch on anybody's items, you can add to any situation, and you can take what someone already made that was awesome, and you could add your two cents. So someone someone throws in a dollar in effort, and then you add your two cents on top of that, and you can continue this cycle of collaboration, which is a continuous cycle beyond just creation. It's this collaboration and creation, which is great, which makes me really curious, and I'd love to get your take, because you, you live in a, mm -hmm. a bunch of different worlds, but two worlds that we haven't addressed yet, right, is you have china and you have san francisco right oh. and then we also have we have meta facebook quest and now we also have bite dance and pico right mm -hmm. and so what's your thoughts with bite dance tiktok and pico coming in and going toe-to-toe -to -toe with meta and facebook and the quest since you live in both those different worlds well i definitely think you know at this point um the more players are in the field the healthier the ecosystem will become right. So, mm -hmm. um, I think you know um, uh, there has been a very polarized opinion about uh, Facebook or Meta uh, as a company and their role in the, especially in the metaverse and in the VR AR ecosystem. Um, um, some people say that you know they've been they are the one of the few companies that's investing heavily um, in this space and uh, you know have a strong vision and. Uh, um, a, a real pioneer to push the industry forward. I strongly echo with this this statement, and I think you know, uh, without Facebook, the state of the metaverse industry, the state of the VR in, VR AR industry wouldn't be the same today, right? But on the flip side, right, we hear you know certain feedbacks, especially from the indie developer community, right. Um, community developers that starting new startups, starting developing new products, that Facebook has been a little bit playing a little bit hostile role in this um, in this space, and uh, it's not a very easy company to work with to a certain extent, and uh, and uh, also you know um, because of the huge success of Facebook Quest, um, they are almost like the monopoly. In this ecosystem as well, right? So I think uh, you know definitely with um, uh, with the uh, ByteDance and also Pico join force here. Um, Pico as a young company um, will benefit a lot from the ex huge resource and uh, um, and and support on the Pico side, 
right? Uh, on the on the ByteDance side, and yeah. also for ByteDance, I'm always joking that uh, you know the world largest AR app, if you think about it, is actually TikTok. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, why? Because it has one of the largest social network in the yeah. world, and also a lot of content creators on TikTok are using all these AR enhanced features to create their content, right? Mm -hmm. Different filters, uh, different special effects. And uh, so, you know, um, and also it's very leaning towards um, uh, consumer entertainment products, right? So I think, you know, uh, for TikTok uh, and Biden's, it has a natural, um, it has a natural anchor into the the um, the future possibilities in the uh, um, in the metaverse world as well, right? So I think uh, first of all the um, the acquisition between ByteDance and Pico is definitely you know a win-win situation for both parties. And secondly, by having ByteDance and Pico join force and entering uh, entering into this ecosystem and competing with Facebook. I think it's definitely some healthy competitions in terms of, you know, Facebook is not only the monopoly, it's no longer the only monopoly in this market. And uh, uh, it has some respectable competitors. And also, you know, for especially for the developer community, right? They have more options and um, also considering um, Facebook's relationship with China versus you know TikTok's relationship with China, right? So it can potentially help the um, developers to open up a whole set of new opportunities geographically as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And yeah, you look at when Facebook was, you know, they were going in at say neck to neck with say HTC and Valve and that stuff, and they kind of start to outpace them with the Quest and all that fun stuff. And they had the advantage of it's when this young nimble company pairs with this giant Goliath. Uh, mm -hmm. Disney did the same thing with Pixar. There was right. Disney, they got the money, Pixar came out with awesome stuff. They came in and they kind of infused their culture of Pixar into Disney. And mm -hmm. then Oculus did the same thing to Facebook where they came in and they brought in the cool and the sexy and the awesome. You know, Facebook at Meta has the old sexy, which was Facebook. It has mm -hmm. the current-ish sexy, which is Instagram. And it's got the future sexy, with this, which is Oculus. But then out of nowhere, TikTok came in strong started gobbling up everybody's lunch in the social media space. And they really did open my mind to what's possible with augmented reality. Because until then, I thought that most of augmented reality was all business, right? It was all instructional, uh, expert, you know, designs, uh, data overlays, all that kind of stuff. But then you see, oh, wow, you can use augmented reality for a lot of fun. And I'm very curious to see if because the Pico nimble with the with the bite dance kind of big and innovative, they're, they're going to come together if they're going to take another page out of the quest book and start to bring in that augmented reality headset with virtual reality. That's one of the things I think is really innovative with the quest pro. I don't know if you had a chance to uh, try out the, the meta pro yet yeah. where you put it on and you have the augmented reality environment and then there's the digital overlay and mm -hmm. they've kind of gotten around the how the heck scientifically you fit in these little tiny glasses and be able to see your environment. You can't, no matter if you raise a billion dollars like Magic Leap and try to fake it the whole time with mm -hmm. CGI, they said, oh, no, 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 this is a whole VR headset and we're gonna fake augmented reality by throwing cameras on the outside. And I was like, oh my God, that's brilliant. And so mm -hmm. I'm very curious, do you, do you think that like Pico and them are gonna take a, a, a bite or a bite dance 
out of that that business model and try to bring that in? Do you think that's where, or what do you think they're going to be going with it? What do you think was their move? I think anything is possible, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think you know um, this brings to the uh, the bigger question of what's the difference between VR and AR, and which one is going to get bigger, and you know what's this uh, ultimate product type is going to look like. So for me, um, I uh, in my personal opinion, I think. Uh, VR and AR, because of the similarities in terms of technology and because of the similarities in terms of, you know, the, the, the consumption device, right? I think um, at the end of the day, it's going to merge, right? It's going to be like a one single device or even like what the Mojo, Mojo Vision guys does, right? Like contact lenses, right? Mm-hmm. So it's this simple device. And uh, if you have certain... Um, if you to- go totally like black out the real world, then it's virtual reality versus, you know, you have um, you have the information overlay, but you still um, the user still able to see the, the real world, then it's AR. Right. Yeah. Um, but in terms of use case, it's always going to be very different use cases. Right. Because, you know, the um, the goal of VR is, let's say, hey, you know, let's forget about the real world. Let's bring a totally fundamentally different possibilities and fundamentally different, uh, larger than life experience um, to uh, to the users. Versus for AR, is always say, hey, reality is great, but how can we make it better, right? How how can we make reality more engaging, more fun, more useful, and uh, mm-hmm. more practical to our everyday life? So I think you know. Both directions from use cases and perspective is going to be very different directions. But um, in terms of the actual device and in, in terms of the actual product, right, it could merge sometime later on, right? Mm-hmm. And, uh, um, and I think, you know, um, um, the interesting thing about this uh, TikTok uh, meta situation is that their core business is always uh, social media, right? Facebook is a social media company, a social media product, right? Yeah. And TikTok is also a social media product. So I think, you know, coming from the social angle, it always going to bring down to the question in terms of, hey, how is this um, VR, AR as a new technology, as a new medium, how is going to fit into the next, the next, um, the next, the, the next way on how people are connecting with each other and how this will redefine the relationship um, between, you know, between different individuals and uh, also redefine the way on how we are interacting with each other. Yeah. And that's the thing. People think of social media because I gave a talk on this at uh, a meetup group that I run on the new social media. And I talked about the comparisons and this was a couple of years ago about comparing rec room to alt space, to horizons, to all these different social medias. Cause that's what it is. This virtual reality where people get together. It's just right. a, it's an, it's a digital presence, social media. So instead mm-hmm. of us being, you know, uh, talking heads here, we have hands and arms and bodies and we can high five and bro hug and anything else that we can think of. Right. That is the new kind of social media that we're stepping into, which is which is really interesting. I think that people haven't recognized that unless they've experienced what is it like to be social inside this new type of media. Have you mm-hmm. have you had because we talked about the first mind blowing experience that you had back in the day when you got the cardboard headset. Have you had any types of mind blowing social VR experiences that you can think of? Oh, yes. Yes. I, I think, you know, 
I, I would say like, you know, 80% of my uh, most mind blowing experience um, in the whole like metaverse ecosystem or somehow related to social, right? Um, like you said, like uh, VR chat, record room, art space, horizons, I'm pretty familiar with, with all of them. And uh, also, you know, I'm an investor of Population One, right? They were uh, oh, acquired nice. by Facebook. So they were like, you know, the PUBG um, battle, first person battle royale, right? For, sure. for, um, for VR. And I think, uh, you know, that, that kind of experience take like social gaming to the next level. And also, um, uh, I, I like to, you know, touch base a little bit on the, the type of, you know, uh, the type of things that, I have a vantage point to access, sure. but may not be so open to um, to the the greater public, which is you know I think the power of the social can be um, social in the metaverse can be taken to the next level by integrating things like eye tracking, facial tracking, all this kind of you know different technologies, right? Um, and we can we can already get a taste of this through the uh, Quest Pro experience, right? Um, um, we, can, we can understand that, hey, you know, um, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's always a magical moment when you step in virtual reality. And it's always the, a next level magical moment when you are in virtual reality by hanging out with your friends as avatars, right? But it's the next level um, uh, social experience by be able to step into the virtual reality, hang out with your friends while making eye contact and you know different facial expression that in a way resemble uh, who they really are, right? So um, I think you know um, uh, 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 I like just like six seven years ago I would have imagined that you know the the VR headset as of 2018, 2019 timeframe, this yeah. kind of second or third generation of headset, we already have adopted, you know, eye tracking, facial tracking, uh, 4VT rendering, all these technologies as default technology inside the headset. Of course, you know, looking back, I feel like I have been a little bit over optimistic sure. and things are happening a little bit slower than what I had expected. Right. But I think, you know, these things are inevitable and all these, you know, um, uh, next level magical social experiences are still yet to be discovered and yet to be experienced by the general public yet. Right. So as technology evolving forward, you know, the device is only going to get cheaper and uh, better. And I think, you know, these are the things that's inevitable. And um, when the hearts when the hardware, when the price point, when the overall experience hits to that tipping point, I think that's a time when the next stage of all these social um, VR applications and also social metaverse applications have a chance to really take off and uh, you know blow out the market as well. I absolutely agree on this one. You know, there's different mind blowing things. I think being in the VR space for a while, you get jaded, right? When I first got started, mm -hmm. oh my God, VR is, VR is awesome, right? And then you get used to it. And I was in VR for a while and I got, then I got jaded, right? And then I jumped in 
and I got into social VR and then social VR blew my mind. I was back into, I remember doing quest mode on rec room with my hmm. friends, cutting them, stabbing them. One guy's down. I run up and I high five them, right? Those magic moments that you go to save a friend. Right. And then when I saw the social gestures inside of the, the new pro, that was another mm -hmm. one of those magic moments. And especially when they start to do the augmented reality, plus the social gestures. And I, I think you're right. That social gestures, the human presence, me being able to like shake my hands and go like this or like look at you sideways, go, yeah, bro. Like, you know, that right there, those types of moments where you feel that deep connection right? and you still have that headset. I, I agree. It's just not there yet. And the, the headsets are so expensive. And that's mm -hmm. why I think, you know, Oculus uh, Meta decided to do the uh, enterprise route where they know what's needed doesn't mask the price point of what people are paying currently, right? So Definitely. they said, okay, we're going to give you the experience that you need, but we need it. We need to go to the top, the Elon Musk style, where he has the Roadster for $100,000 and then eventually it's going to drop down to 30 something thousand dollars and everybody can go have a Tesla. I feel mm -hmm. like that's the move that Meta's trying to take because they know what's needed to get it done. But right now they're just that the money isn't there to make it happen. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And also, you know, um, getting back to one of your points, um, um, I think, you know, it's also um, particularly important for, you know, people like us, right? We are the pioneers, explorers in this industry, in this field, and uh, for us to, you know, pick up these new technologies and to use it, right? So, um, you know, I've done certain, like, meetings instead of especially during the pandemic, instead of going to Zoom, right, um, I met with my um, my colleagues and uh, my partners in VR chat. And also, um, you know, when I'm meeting up with some other VCs, um, we've done a, like, a, 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 um, a bank robbery session inside GTA. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so I think, you know, a bunch um, of VCs robbing a bank. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, do, do you know Angelo from HP? So I did, yeah. I did the GTA together with Angelo as well. Um, <laughs> so, okay. yeah. So I, I think, you know, it's, it's interesting when you are actually a, not, a, not only being amazed by this technology mm -hmm. and understand what it delivers, but also try to use product, this kind of product in your um, um in your everyday life to see, you know, what kind of, what, what makes sense, what doesn't make sense, what explains um, the, the adoption curve and, uh, you know, what kind of potential hurdle that you haven't realized before you try it, right? So for example, it take, um, it take you know, it take me and Angelo like 20 minutes to figure out how to meet, meet with each other in the GTA environment. Um, and, you know, go into the same room to see each other's avatar, right? So yeah. that's some hurdle, but at the same time, it's, it's a fun experience for me, for him. And also it's a different one, right? It definitely feels more memorable than just doing a Zoom meeting, just doing a, another Zoom meeting, right? I can still remember, oh, you know, we talk about these kind of topics while we are robbing the bank that day, right? So, you know, it's... Um, <laughs> um, I think we are all explorers in this journey. So we need to be like, you know, get our, get our feet, uh, feet wet in this, uh, in this journey as well. Yeah. And what's great about this is we think about this, right? I mean, humans, what we'd like to do is we'd like to go on experiences together. There's a thing like if, 
if a father and a son play catch together, they, they can have a more meaningful conversation versus they just sit there and stare at each other across the room, right? right? We feel like we're freed up a little bit more when we're doing something together, whether it's fishing or whether it's robbing a bank or any of these types of activities. You're going out and you're experiencing something with someone else. And along the way, you have fun, but you also have like a deep, meaningful, powerful conversation and whatever thing that you guys want to talk about. The only mm -hmm. issue is there is that that is that challenges. I kind of feel a little bit like if my grandma tried to get on the Internet and try to explain to her how to use Zoom, that's kind of mm -hmm. how I feel it is for us trying right now to get into VR or get into Roblox. If you've never done it before, there's going to be right. this learning curve versus the younger people that have a better adoption rate. They're going to get through that grind. They will fight through it to get to that fun. And it's going to be normal to them while we have to kind of adapt and change who we are because we're so used to Facebook and growing up with Facebook and all that stuff. So I love the fact that you did it, but you're right. The friction right now is still too high um, mm -hmm. to, to get mass adoption, but things that are making it smoother, easier, better, faster, that lowers the friction for people to get in to do this type of stuff is going to be the ones that win the race at the end of the day. Definitely. Yeah. Well, can you talk to me about some experiences that you've had uh, as an investor? Maybe some lessons or some stories, some regrets. Either you had some big swings and hits or big swings and misses um, mm -hmm. as being an investor so that people can kind of get a, a bit of an inside perspective of what is it like to, to, ex to experience the highs and lows of being an investor? Well, I think um, definitely, um, you know, on the being an investor, you always have a short term vision versus a long-term vision, right? The short-term vision, when uh, with a short-term vision, when you are evaluating a startup, you always look into the team, the technology, uh, the the competitors, and, you know, um, and the stage of the company, right? So these are like your basic formula when you are evaluating like any kind of early stage startups, right? Um, but um, the in the long-term vision, you, uh, you need to kind of like having certain understanding about the the cycles of the industry, right? So um, for each of the sectors that I focus on, like the VR, AR, metaverse industry, the uh, the AI sector, right, the mm. blockchain sector, um, it all has certain um, um, period where it's like, you know, hyped up, everybody's super excited about it. You see a lot of money coming in and there are always these, you know, uh, lows where you say like, you know, it's no longer sexy. It's, um, um, uh, it's, um, it's kind of feels like lost its traction. Nobody talk about it anymore. And, um, uh, and, and a lot of people are leaving this industry to pursue some other careers as well right so i think um um for me uh, like i previously mentioned each of these sectors are um are that are, are those type of technology that's groundbreaking that's gonna completely change the human history forever right it's super powerful right each of this technology is as important as the internet itself but in order to really make that type of impact it takes time, right? There won't be overnight success, right? So I think um, uh, as an investor in this space, I need to understand what's the cycle of each of the sector, when it's gonna hype up, when it's gonna hit another deep, and when do we expect the startup founders um, to 
to start fundraising and when do we expect them to you know to start heads down um, building and when um, when it is the time for them to you know to spend the money recruit talents and uh, when is it um, what's the best time for them to you know make the decision to you know cut down their cost get back to the to the lean mode focus down uh, fo- focus on product building rather than focus on groups right mm-hmm. so I think uh, you know that um, having a long-term mentality and also uh, understand the cycle of this kind of technology and how 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 cycles of different technology is impacting your day-to-day business decisions I think you know that's something that you know, me as an investor, I have the perspective of, but could be uh, blinded to a lot of uh, startup founders as well. I love it. Yeah. So then if you understand what the cycle is, you understand what the energy of the community is doing, you can tell when they're going to, when things are going to be lean and when they need to kind of, you know, tighten their belts and Mm -hmm. when they need to be able to kind of double down and really, you know, eat as many resources as they can to try to produce as much they can so that when the winter does come, they're able to propel and get past that to get to that next cycle, to get to that next phase. Yes. And you almost always wanted to do this a little bit like one step ahead of the curve, right? So if you know that, uh, you know, there's another hype coming, uh, there's not another hype, there's another wave of uh, excitement, traction coming, there will be a lot of money coming to this sector. So that's probably the best time for you to start um, start fundraising. You can start, mm-hmm. you know, hiring new teams, um, start picking up your growth, right? Um, versus, you know, um, when uh, when the market is already hyped up, right? The the uh, the tractions has already been made, and all these all these you know new startup are coming into this field. Um, that's probably a little bit too late to start executing on this uh, on these things, right? So in order to gain this kind of advantage, you almost want it to be like one step ahead of the curve. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, yeah. see it coming before it gets here. So you're already set up. When the train arrives, you've got your town built already. You know, mm-hmm. I love that. And right. so with all of this, I mean, you're super deep in the space. You've obviously been you're an OG in VR, and it seems like you're bleeding edge with the AI and the crypto and and gaming and esports, especially back in pop one. Mm-hmm. You know, this is incredible. Great move on your part for that one. It's a it's an Thank epic, you. epic game. Uh for you, what's your what's your holy grail in all of this stuff? I know why you got out of the financial space, but what do you hope to achieve by putting all of your effort and energy in this kind of bleeding edge technology? Well, um I think you know um it remind this question kind of remind me of you know who I am and what motivates me, right? And I think you know um Back then, when I moved from New York City to San Francisco and switched my career from being an investment banker to a venture capitalist, is that um, um, back then it's it was a huge risk for me to you know after five, especially after five years in investment banking, in an environment that I'm very familiar with, uh, pays well and uh, have a you know promising career path to a completely new and different environment, right? Um, and I think, you know, back then, my motivation was uh, I want to work on something that's creating, that, that's creative and that I feel meaningful, right? And I think, you know, to me, the way I feel um, I could, you know, live a meaningful life and I can have everyday um, 
fulfilling my purpose is that uh, I feel like I'm an explorer on this journey, right? I'm curious about a lot of new things. I um I want to see a, I want to see a lot of new things happen, and I want to stay a little bit ahead of the curve so that you know I can have certain level of impact to um uh to 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 how you know this new technologies or this new uh um new sectors are you know impacting our uh, everyday life right so um that's what motivates me and i think uh, you know in order to um in order to be successful on this journey um i need to keep my curiosity i need to keep learning on new stuff right and also i need to um have a mentality that um you know um I'm learning from whoever I'm interacting with, right? So, you know, being a, a venture capitalist, I'm constantly learning from the startups I'm talking to, right? So a lot of startups, um, uh, uh, the conversation of, between me and the startups is more like, I'm the generalist. I look, I look into a lot of VR startups. I look into a lot of crypto startup, but I may not be a expert for example in education while i'm listening uh, I'm, I'm talking to a, um, a vr education startup right or i might not be a uh, um uh a expert in the uh, uh a decentralized system architecture when i um talk to a, a layer one protocol right so um i think you know it's a constantly learning and uh, improving process for, for me, myself. So I feel like, you know, this journey has definitely been very rewarding to me. And, um, and also being able to um, understand different perspective in terms of what it feels like to be an investor, what, what's the perspective of startup founder, what's uh what's the market perspective right from you know the the primary market versus the secondary market right um i think you know all these different perspective um is helpful for me to understand how things could grow from you know a, a c stage company into a you know a, a large public company right um so yeah i think you know overall um uh it's it's a journey of exploration and mm. it's a constantly learning experience. And I do feel that this kind of experience is very fulfilling and is a way for me to make my impact while this technology is shifting um, humanities and the entire world to a different, uh, to a different level and to a different, uh, different reality. Mm, absolutely, yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's, it sounds to me like the holy grail of you is to is to be constantly learning and kind of pushing this technology forward and being at this bleeding edge and really kind of helping facilitate this change happen in this direction mm -hmm. if that's the case what is the dragon what is the thing that is very is the most difficult thing for you to overcome so much so you might need to transform who you are to get to where you want to go well that's a great question i think you know um it's definitely not a um um, it's definitely not an easy task to be a constant learner, right? And I feel like, you know, in order to keep my, uh, my knowledge and keep my, um, my game up to pace, right? Um, 
you definitely need to constantly learning and uh, uh, you definitely need to be uh, able to open to a lot of new things constantly, right? Also, you need to understand how you can filter information to understand, you know, okay, which information is uh, authentic and which what part of the information is noise, right? You, you need to keep a healthy like information to noise ratio in whatever you are interacting with. And uh, I think, you know, the, the most, the most um, challenging part is really how can you have your own unique thinking in this process? Because I feel like, you know, um, when, especially when I sit on a lot of panels and when I um, talk to a group of people who's from a very specific community, right? Um, people tend to um, um, tend to agree with each other, and almost in a certain extent, like repeating the buzzword and repeating certain statement um, from from one another, right? But you know, where's the critical thinking part? What what do you think strongly about something that you are um, that you feel like it's 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 different opinion or even the contrary opinion to like the majority uh, of how people think about certain things, right? So I think that's uh, that's something very challenging, but that's something that's critically important, right? Because you know, because um, that's what's differentiate a uh, a outstanding individual versus you know a mediocre individual. Right. So anyone in a certain industry can definitely repeat whoever said, oh, you know, metaverse is amazing. Decentralization is amazing. Uh, immutable is very powerful. But what's what's your counter opinion to that? Right. Yeah. Uh, what kind of opinion do you hold strongly that is different from 99 percent of people in that industry? And I think, you know, those type of insights are, you know, the, some of the key differentiators in this game, and those are certain, um, certain, some of the most drivers that can, you know, that can help you to outperform, um, you know, the average in the industry as well. So, yeah, I think you know, Love that. critical thinking and unique thoughts. Yeah, it's so interesting. It's it's funny because the the conversation now has gone full full circle towards the end. Because in the beginning, you asked me what makes this podcast different than the Tim Ferriss podcast? And so it seems like you're hunting understand that gap, that mm -hmm. gap between the industry, right? And the unique individuals in, in the industry who make the outliers, the outlier mm -hmm. thinking. And if their outlier thinking is one step ahead of everybody else, whether they're predicting the rise, the downfall, or they have a unique strategy or they have a unique approach, that right there is, separates the good industry from the great players in the space. And now I kind of understand a bit more of, of, of how that thinking would actually help to make you reflect better because you can understand all these outliers. You can start to synthesize your own opinions and start to make these unique pattern recognitions that most people won't by understanding those key differences. Definitely. Yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah. Ryan, it's been absolutely awesome uh, to have you on the show. Uh, is there anything else you'd like to let people know about before you tell them how to get a hold of you? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, I am on most social media. So mm -hmm. um, Facebook, LinkedIn, um, Instagram, um, I'm very uh, approachable. And, uh, you know, I'm always looking for um, something different and something that can be, you know, 
fundamentally more interesting and something fundamentally unique. So um, yeah, if you have something that uh, you know you are super excited about, share 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 it with me, and uh, would love to have a conversation. Beautiful. Ryan, thank you so much for your time. It's been a pleasure and an honor, my friend, and I'll see you on the other side. Thank you, Dylan. Thank you. See you on the other side. Thank you for listening to the Heroes of Reality podcast. Check out heroesofreality.com for more episodes. While you're there, you can also take the Heroes quiz to find out what kind of hero you are. Or if you have a great story and want to be on the podcast, tell us why your hero's journey will inspire others. Thank you for listening. See you on the other side.